ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth. Let's gnaw on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Hi, my name is Scott. Welcome to another episode of Bibles, Bulldogs, and Beers. I'm here with fellow bearded bulldog, uh, <laughs> Pastor William Shifflett. It's good to have you back, Pastor. You've been gone for a few days yeah. uh, on vacation, so it's good to have you back. Did you get rested up and enjoy yourself while you were gone? We, we did. We did enjoy ourselves very much. Right. Yeah. That's good. Did you have a book yes. you wanted to tell us about today? Well, I just thought I'd point out The Body and Top and Square. It's amazing. All my books are mysteries, but some people, when they think mystery, they think murder mystery. And mm -hmm. so uh, this is a murder mystery, but it is consistent with my uh, three F's family-friendly fiction so okay. that there's no graphic violence, uh, uh, language, or sexuality. Good. Uh, it's, a good, it's just a good mystery story that does involve a, a mysterious death. And uh, so if anybody likes mysteries, all my other books are mysteries as well, but this is one they could check out. And it is available at Amazon in paperback and ebook or you can go to my blog williamsgoodword.org and uh, can order it there if they wanted to right and while they're there they can read a little bit of good news good news lots of good well. news lots so of good it's, news it's called williams good word so um even if you're even if you're not going to buy a book go read the good news and while right. you're there you'll probably see a book that you'd like uh to get and you can pick it up uh while you're there well, we've been discussing uh, the book, The Christian Life, by uh, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson, and we're in chapter 8, uh, and that's entitled True Repentance. And um, Dr. Ferguson reminds us that we have already noted that faith and repentance are twin doctrines and cannot be separated. All true evangelical experience necessarily involves both. And these twin responses to the grace of God are not only joined together at their birth, but they remain inseparable throughout the whole of life. So, Pastor, I wanted to ask you, the, the chapter title is True Repentance. So the first thing uh, that comes to mind when I see that is that there must also be a false Repentance is that true? Yes, that uh, yes. It's an, it's the idea that people and we we touched. Uh, he touches on it in in Second Corinthians, where it talks about there's a genuine repentance that is a godly sorrow. He calls it. Mm -hmm. Paul calls it a godly sorrow that leads to life to repentance in life. And then there's a worldly sorrow that you feel bad about something you did, maybe because you got caught. But there's no sense of this grieves me because I know it displeases God. Right. And that's that's the difference. Uh, so, you know, I'm a critic of the whole idea of, of the sinner's prayer. Not mm -hmm. to suggest that you can't get saved by repeating the sinner's prayer. Right. But that is so easy sometimes to just pray that prayer without any sense of repentance. Mm -hmm. No real sorrow for my sin. Not No really contemplation upon uh, what... Um, what, what I have done and how it grieves God. You know, it's like, here's this, here's this present, take it. And there's no, there's no concept of, yeah, but the reason I need the present is because I'm a sinner right. and I should be conscious of that sin. And mm -hmm. that, 
that causes me to turn from it. So yes, there is a, there is, a, a, unfortunately, and this may be just part of a, the, the challenges of 21st century living, but there is a part of the Christian community that seems to have the faith, as you pointed out, but, but no repentance. Mm-hmm. They've got one side of the coin, but not the other. And it, it's so true, they come together. Pope Peter on the day of Pentecost says, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Not repent or believe. You know, it's one right. of one of the others. You know, pick multiple choice. Mm-hmm. You have your choice of any one. No, it's it's both. It's they go both. together. And right. so, true repentance means I have a genuine sorrow for my sin, and I I not just a, a, a this particular practice is causing me problems, mm-hmm. but that this particular practice, even if it weren't causing me problems, grieves the heart of God, and I need to share that grief. Right. How prevalent do you think uh, false repentance is in, uh, I guess, our culture today? And how, how, do you, how would one recognize it? How would a Christian recognize it? And what steps, if any, should be taken if we see it? Okay, well, so how prevalent is it? I would, you know, when you said that, it just struck me. So we would take a church like Joel Osteen. Okay, we'll just pick on Joel. He's he's got broad shoulders. He can handle it. Right. Um, I wonder if Joel ever uses the word repentance. His his, his whole philosophy is so. So when we talk about the prevalence of false repentance, first we have to be in a church setting that actually preaches any kind of repentance. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, then then a, then a false repentance, I would say, would be in a congregation where there is uh, a lot of emotional stirring mm-hmm. that, uh, and th- that creates a, a kind of an atmosphere where one is expected to acknowledge things that, that go out the church door and they just continue living the way they used to live. That would be a kind of false repentance. I say that if a person says, I've become a Christian, we have to be careful here because when you become a Christian, you're a new, new, new believer, mm-hmm. um, you're growing. You don't know everything. We just had a question Sunday about how do I know whether I'm a true believer? Okay. And, and, um, I'm going to, I may come back this Sunday and talk and have it with a message called, what is a good Christian? You know, what is it? Well, how do we know that I'm really living that? But for a person who says I've accepted Christ, I, I should, I would suggest that a gauge we use is whether the person demonstrates any kind of turn from the way they've been living. Mm -hmm. A true repentance, a real sorrow for sin, means I'm going to set aside some of those sins. I'm going to recognize, you know, even though I'm still being tempted by it, even though I'm consciously aware that I want that, a Christianity does not mean I suddenly stop wanting sin. It means now I'm conscious of sin, Mm -hmm. and because God says, don't do this, then I feel an obligation to obey him, all right? So uh, I think that a person who says, I've repented, and, and of course, he brings out several of the phrases about uh, uh, the, the, the meanings of repentance in the, in the text. Um, I think a failure to turn from anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've, I've been saved, but I'm still doing all of the things that clearly, now we have to be careful there as well, clearly are sinful as the Bible describes them. Right. Not, not just culturally sinful or my denomination says they're sinful, 
but something the Word of God clearly says, this is not something you should be engaged in as one of my children, I need to turn from that. And if there's never any impetus, I never feel any sorrow, I never feel any sense of, gosh, I blew it, then I would have to ask whether or not there's true repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's what, that's, so that's one of this, the, the measurements I would suggest is just, is there any sign of change at all? Right. Dr. Ferguson goes on, he says, just as we continue to trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord, we continue in the life of repentance. Then he gives John Calvin's definition of repentance, and I'll read that. Repentance is the true turning of our life to God, a turning that arises from a pure and earnest fear of him, and it consists in the mortification of our flesh and of the old man and the in the vivification of the spirit. Now, there's a couple words in there we don't hear every no, we day. Don't. <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, Eng- English uh, is not as, as beautiful a language, I, I, in my opinion, as what it used to be, you know, centuries No, no you're right. You're absolutely ago. right. But that. he talks about mortification of our flesh. Now, most people probably can relate that to a mortician. So right. tell us what mortification of the flesh is. Well, I mean, you're right. Uh, uh, most people could probably get close to it, but it just simply means, and that's why the newer translations say, put to death. It just means to mortify, to kill it, to put it to death. Right. So when we talk about mortifying the flesh, we're talking about denying, renouncing, confessing as sin, the acts that the Bible describes as contrary to the will of God. I don't, I don't say, oh, well, and I'm a sinner and, and you know, you're going to sin, which is true. Right. But true. you're not supposed to just be uh, flipping about that. You're supposed to say, okay, but I'm supposed to be wrestling against that sin and the desire of sin. And that's what we mean by putting it to death. I'm just saying, no, no, you can't have control of my life. No, you cannot exist here. No, I will not do that. Mm-hmm. That's what we mean by putting the, to death the flesh. Uh, and vivification, I guess, is the other word, right? Uh, which just means uh, to bring to life, to make anew, right? And to to so be the spirit, yeah. is what he's talking about. Yeah. So, so I've heard it put, and I'm not sure if it's in the Bible this way or not. I've heard that uh, Christians should yield our lives to the to the Holy Spirit. Uh, is that? Yes, in that, the Bible, that, that is the Bible does. Say, in fact, in the same passages where Paul talks about mortifying the, the flesh, he says, "Yield to the Spirit, yield to the things of God." So, yes, there, there's the idea of submission there. And again, what are we submitting to? The, the revelation of God's Word, right? Not just a feeling, because again, here, here's a, here's a problem that many people have. Well, I've never felt bad about that sin. Okay, so first, now, now we have a problem whether you're really a believer or not, whether you're really on the path. Because the first step in becoming a believer is to feel bad about the sin that I'm accused of. Right. Go back to Acts again and Peter's Sermon on the Mount. He's, he preaches, you've killed the Son of God. And the scripture says they were pricked in their hearts and said, what must we do? Right. And that's where Peter says, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so there is a sense of I'm yielding, but what am I yielding to? The persuasive talk of a pastor or the feelings of guilt that might have, that might be a product of, of, uh, of a very 
well-meaning Christian loved one who just expressed it wrong, and I, so I feel like I'm letting them down, or am I yielding to what the Scripture says? Right. Uh, I have heard this with respect to the perseverance of the saints, eternal security, and you, you'll hear people say, well, my grandma told me you can never lose your salvation. True, mm-hmm. but the but is if you're truly saved, which is evidence in a changing life. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to say, well, that person, you see, is, is relying more on what grandma said mm-hmm. than what the word of God right. teaches. And, and so that's where you, when you get into that question of yielding to the Lord, it means it, it doesn't have to mean some esoteric emotional thing. It simply means I'm looking at the scripture. The scripture says, don't do that. And I'm saying, Lord, help me obey. Right. Uh, let's see, was it Augustine? I can never remember whether it was Augustine or Luther who said this. I think it was Augustine. But he said, Lord, command what you will, but will what you command. In other words, I do not have the ability to live unless you give me that ability. Right. And that's what we pray when we're faced with the temptation or a struggle of sin that I just can't seem to get over. Lord, help me obey you right. in this area. So it all goes back to the Word of God. The Word of God, absolutely. And if, if our life doesn't align with what the Word of God says, then... We need to align it with what the Word of God says. Well, and again, we're touching on a very important point. A newborn Christian is not going to know what the Word necessarily says about every issue. Right. But they will have a sense of something's wrong that would or should, under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit, lead them to the Word. Exactly. Okay? The, the, the person who says, I, I put my faith in Christ... But nothing changes. There's no interest even in God's word or or church or fellowship. I think those are red flags. I won't go so far as to say that person's not a real Christian. I would say to them, there's some flags fluttering above your head that suggest that you haven't quite understood something about what you say you believe. And I am, as a pastor, I see more of this kind of stuff than your average churchgoer perhaps, but I'm just appalled at the number of people who claim that they're Christians and nothing, nothing in their life changes. And no matter how many times you explain the word, here's what the Bible says. It's, it's just like, oh, well, you know, that's that. I think we have to, we have to be aware. The person we talked to Sunday said, how do I know I'm a Christian? Uh, And my, my daughter, Sarah spoke up and said, because you asked that question. Because a sinner doesn't care. Right. A hypocrite doesn't mm-hmm. care. They never pause to make self-examination mm-hmm. and wonder. Exactly. You know. So so you have to be you have to be careful with that. And if you are a Christian, you're gonna you're gonna feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing we talked about in in the last chapter. Right. Is conviction and that comes from the Holy Spirit. From himself. the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dr. Ferguson goes on and says that we must not lose sight of this lifelong dimension in repentance. And for those who may not know, is this uh, a physical lifelong dimension or an eternal lifelong dimension? Okay, so it would be a, an earthly, a lifelong earthly 
to mention because once we're once we receive our new body, we're no longer capable of sin. Right. So there won't be anything to repent of. But as long as we're in the flesh, struggling against the flesh, there will be myriad things that we have to come back again and again and say, Lord, I repent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I repent of this. I repent of that. Uh, some of it is a product of growth. Some of it is a result of our tendency to fall back into old habits. Yeah. People need to repent, for example, of prayerlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 repent of a failure to read the scriptures. Uh, repent of uh, of a uh, lack of forgiveness for people around them. Those kinds of things that we can slip into because, what does Paul say? There's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. Right. And as long as we're in the flesh, we, the, the, the flesh is going to war against the spirit. And so there is this lifelong thing of, of repentance. Another small dimension, it's not small is not the right word, but uh, just touch on it briefly, is the idea that as you and I grow in grace, we become more sensitive to things and we mature, and then God asks something of us that perhaps we could not have borne earlier in our Christian life. Mm. Okay, so I'm growing and I'm maturing in Christ, and let us use this example, ministry. So a person's been a Christian for 20 years, and suddenly they feel a sense of, of uh, I, I need to do more, I need to be more for God. That is a, a, a challenge as God is putting before us at a point of our maturity that we are capable of dealing with, right. where perhaps we, we couldn't before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so th- those are all the different dimensions, but it's a, it's a this life thing. Once we're saved, in fact, I, I had lunch with a man years ago. He used to, one of the men in our church worked with this young man, and he would take the CDs from the messages and from the services. He would listen to them. And so we decided we was going to have lunch one day. And this is twofold, but one of the things it shows is just a total lack of knowledge of people who say they're Christians. He said to me, he said, I'm afraid that a thousand years from now, I'm going to reject Christ. And I said, do you not understand that when you, when you, the resurrection, you get a new body that is totally free of sin, any inclination of sin. You're never going to want to turn from Christ after a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably some of that confusion rises out of that passage in the book of Revelations that talks about the, the dragon, the devil's released after a thousand years, and he goes out and deceives the oh, countries okay. again. That's a misunderstanding of that passage. But But my point is, he did not understand that once I gra- graduate to heaven, if we want to use that term, mm-hmm. and I get the new body in the resurrection, that body is incapable of sin. Paul says in Philippians that we will receive a body like our Lord's glorious body. Right. Glorious. What does he say in 1 Corinthians 15? The incorruptible must put on... The corruption, rather, must put on incorruption. We get a body, and, and that that finalizes the process of our salvation that began with our spirit, and we are incapable of sin. So repentance is this life, this time, in this uh, journey where we're faced with sin and questions of sin. Um, can I give you an example of what another example of what I would say is is repentance. Sure. As we a challenge of repentance. 
So we believe that every day of our lives has been ordained of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I will live as long as God wants me to live. Uh, you know, some of the great Puritans, again, it might have been Luther or someone else who said, I'm immortal until God's time for my death comes. That no, In other words, he wasn't boasting. He was saying, no one can kill me or keep me from accomplishing my purpose as a servant of God until he's done with me. Okay. Uh, what happens though, so we believe that every day of my life has been planned by God, but here's what happens. We get old. Our family members have died. We're alone in the world. And we begin to say, Lord, why don't you just take me home? Now, that is a fair, legitimate, understandable expression of grief. I pray even now, and I'm in good health, I pray, Lord, I don't want to be here. When you're done with me, I don't want to stay, okay? When, when you're done, I would like to just go on. Um, that's a natural prayer to pray. Nevertheless, if God chooses not to answer that prayer because his plan is perfect, then it is possible for me to live through a period of time where I might resent the fact. I, I, I can't go out. I can't do anything. My eyesight's failing. I can't hear. I can't. Why would you keep me here, Lord? You see how easy it is to slip into a, a little bit of resentment or anger towards God. And that would be something that we would need to repent of. Right. Uh, also, I, I, I give an ex my example of my, from my own life has nothing to do with being old. I, I, I frequently lament the fact that God did not bring me to the reformed understanding of the Christian faith till very late in my life, to a point where I feel like now I can't do anything with the knowledge I have. And I have to say to God, Lord, I know your ways are perfect, but I, I really, I really, you know, that's something I have to repent of, you see. It's it's an ongoing thing. And five years from now, there may be some other challenge. Uh, my daughter, who would love to have more children, she has four children. She's just a, she just, one of those women that just could, you could give her 10 kids and she'd love every minute of it. Mm -hmm. So the other week we're sitting at the house and uh, Jonah, the boy, the youngest, she says, I'm really resentful at God because he would be such a good big brother. And she genuinely feels like God said, that's it, no more children. She says he would be such a good big brother. And she said, I really resent that. Now, of course, she doesn't mean it in, in a hateful way towards God, but we right. look at the plan of God sometimes. It doesn't fit what we want our lives to be. And that opens the door for the possibility of, of a resentment to the Lord and it's that kind of ongoing repentance that we have to have. David Wilkerson wrote a book, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling. He wrote a book that, that and again, David Wilkerson, for the people viewing who don't know, he's mm -hmm. he was the founder of Teen Challenge. He went into the, New York in the 50s and worked with street gangs. Mm -hmm. Incredible story. But he wrote a book one time called, I'm Not Mad at God Anymore. Because he went through a period of questioning and what are you doing and why are you doing this? You see what I'm saying? This is part of the battle. We tend to look at, and, and it's rightly so, we tend to look at things just from the standpoint of sin that's lust, drunkenness, greed. We don't see how 
Even the simplest little things in our lives can be twisted by our sin. And we must lay ourselves before God and say, Oh God, search me. Search me and cleanse me and, and try me, David says in the Psalms. And so there is it, repentance is a lifelong practice, journey, experience. But once we close our eyes in death and the trumpet sounds on the resurrection morning, mm-hmm. we are forever beyond any need for repentance. Amen. Wow. What a day. What Amen. A day that'll Amen. Be. Um, it's so, you know, it's, it's easy to look at things through our eyes, but it's very hard to look at things through God's yes. eyes. And that's one of the things as Christians we struggle, yes. we struggle yes. with. And, and you're right. That's, that's one of the things. And I think we're going to touch on that uh, a little bit later about looking through God's eyes. Dr. Ferguson uh, does with this chapter what he has done with the other chapters. He goes back to the Old Testament. Um, He's going to look at the nature of repentance. He says, this is the heart of repentance. It is a returning to God. Now, we're the ones that have left. We're the ones that are lost, and God is seeking after us. Right. We don't seek after him. He's seeking after us. He's going to show us uh, in the Old Testament. First, he talks about there's external evidence. This is uh, shown in the Old Testament. And he quotes 1 Kings uh, chapter 21, verse 27. And that reads, And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And Hosea 7.14, that says, They do not cry to me from the heart, but they wail upon their beds for grain and they, uh, for grain and wine, they gnash themselves. They rebel against me. So what does it mean? We even hear, hear this in the New Testament. What does it mean when, when, uh, the clothes are torn and they put sackcloth upon themselves. Well, it's interesting. And of course, these discussions never go in a uh, chronological sense. Right. But because, because both of those stories could be used with the question of false and real repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that culture, tearing your clothes was a sign of grief, extreme grief. Mm-hmm. Ashes on your forehead was a, a sign of humility Job talks about humbling himself before the Lord. We're called to do that. Again, part of that is just that recognition, your ways are perfect. My ways are, are one. I can only see one side of this, of this story. So so those are, are relevant, practical, outward expressions of repentance. Mm-hmm. The problem is that, that neither one of those folks listed there had any kind of real repentance. Right. Ahab just kept going on in sin, so it was a, it was a temporary repentance, if you will. Uh, I don't like the situation, so I don't say I'm sorry, and then God will fix it. The problem there isn't just repentance. The problem is what we really know about God. You can't hide things from God. Why would you right. think you could get away with that? Because you don't know God as you think you do. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, a part of the consideration there. But. Um, there is an outward uh, sign of repentance. And in the New Testament, we would simply go back to that. You're turning from that. Mm-hmm. You don't keep doing that thing that you're doing. 
You turn from it. Right. He goes on. He says that uh, there's also evidence that is both superficial and mechanistic, if I'm saying that correctly, probably not. But he quotes Hosea 6, verses 1 through 2. That reads, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. And Dr. Ferguson says the divine word of response, or God's response, is in Hosea 6, uh, verse 4. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. So what is he saying to us in these verses from Hosea? Well, the last, the last verse especially is, is really just talking about how transient we are, how superficial, how, uh, you know, as soon as God fixes the problem, we go right back to where we were. The book of Judges highlights that again and again. The people cried to God. God came down and fixed the problem. The people went back to the people doing the things they, they once did. Mm-hmm. That in every instance, that is an example of false repentance or shallow repentance. Uh, it also reminds us of our great need for God to give us repentance because those people knew what God wanted but we're never able to reach that because of their fallenness and their brokenness. Um, so, so, so that's part of it, that the idea that repentance must be consistent, must be sustained, must be evidenced by a change in our lives, in our practices. Not just I believe this, but I believe this, and that requires me to do that. Right. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.